most things that we struggle with, we struggle unconsciously. And so that's why we we need to be shook. There needs to be some type of disruption to kind of wake us up mm-hmm. from the pattern of thought, of thinking, of, of behaving that we're going through. This is why you have people that in your life and you go, they have no clue the damage they do, yeah. right? And so what we want to do is we want to give you a couple of signs to help you know that you may be struggling with some emotional attachment. And here's the thing. We all have some type of emotional attachment to yeah. something, mm-hmm. right? And it's really about becoming aware of it and then obviously acting on that awareness. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm Eddie Copeland. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Amazing. Awesome. This is episode number 84 of the Push Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to you about four red flags to see if you're prone to unhealthy emotional attachment. <laughs> That's a tough one. You right? went right into that. I did. Right. Before we dive into those, though, I have a wet in the world. I was listening to Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're not on Clubhouse, you need to go follow me on Clubhouse. Join the conversations that I'm having. I'm at Janelle Copeland. Eddie's on Clubhouse. But he's spending more time on TikTok recently. Yeah, cope with Eddie everywhere. There but on TikTok, I, on Clubhouse, I think I just go by my name. Eddie Copeland. <laughs> yeah, so. so I was on Clubhouse and Grant Cardone said that he watched this documentary on Netflix and it's called Seaspiracy. Right. And so the other night, Eddie got home from work and I was like, find this thing on Netflix. Let's watch this. Mm-hmm. See something. We watched it. Uh, Jordan watched it with us and we were blown away. Basically, it's about the fishing industry and how we are destroying our planet. Overfishing. By fishing. Yeah. And it's absolutely a must watch, especially if you like fish. Like I grew up on fish. My mother is a butcher. She's worked in the meat department my whole life. And so we grew up on really good meat and fish. We had fish thinking, you know, oh, fish is healthy. I love all seafood. And now I feel like I can never enjoy halibut again. <laughs> well, I think you can. I think we, we have to reduce the amount of fish. And we don't eat a, I don't think we eat a tremendous amount of fish. Maybe. Well, that we, night we, we just happen to have salmon. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's not one of those documentaries that basically tells you like, don't ever eat fish again. It's about what it's doing to the environment and how we are inhumanely practicing these fishing techniques for... Leave it to man to overdo something. Like the crazy thing about it is this, it's like, there's so many things I did not know, Mm -hmm. right? I did not know that the ocean meant so much to our environment as much as just as important, if not more important than our rainforest. No, it is more important. 83% right. of the entire earth is the ocean. Well, yes. No, 85% of the life forms on this planet are in the ocean. 83%. Okay. Well, Anyways, whatever. Watch the, watch the documentary. Let us know what you think. But here's the what in the world. I have one. You have one. Yeah. 
Eddie's is people are stupid. <laughs> okay, so my what in the world is, is if you watch this documentary, you know that a good documentary, they do a good job of interviewing people that are either CEOs, presidents, uh, you know, important ind- individuals in organizations, especially when you're trying to investigate why they have certain practices and do the things that they do. Mm-hmm. So in this documentary, they're asking people in the plastic industry. Now, these are people that you would normally think are, hey, they're doing a great thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so they either have an organization about reducing plastic and they run a lot of advertisements and things of that nature to help organizations and companies use less plastic. But when they go and interview some of these folks and there's a staggering stat that says that over majority of the plastic in the ocean is from fishing like tools and right. like nets and buoys and all these different things. And although these plastic organizations are really pushing lo- using straws. less straws and all these different things, which are legit, mm-hmm. but when they're asked like, hey- Over 50% uh, yeah, of over the plastic 50, found in the like, ocean. What do you think people should do right. to reduce the amount of plastic? And they were like, oh, you know, use less plastic. But he said, no, but the majority of plastic in the ocean and that's found in these animals that, that round up beached on the side of the uh, comes ocean. Comes from the fishing industry. Comes from the fishing industry. What are some of the things you could do? And they just would not say reduce the amount of fish that you're eating. Right. Right. Or at least speak out on the overfishing that's happening. Right. But the reason why is because they're tied to these companies in some sort of way. They're funding them. Right. That like, this corrupts them in a sense. It's right? corruption. <laughs> so it's so just my what in the, the world. world. It's just yeah. like these people are smart individuals. And they're asked these questions and you just go, if you just told the truth and got your shit together, then you may be able to at least Save live, by right, come out of this documentary at least right. with some Not type looking of crazy. <laughs> legitimacy still. So my what in the world is I believe that anything that has money behind it, anything that becomes like a business or an industry, there is going to be corruption. So you period. believe the root of all evil is money? I don't believe the root of all evil is money. No, but I believe <laughs> like we just watched another documentary on uh, rich kids getting their kids into college through the back door. Right. right, right. So you've got these college side door side door (laughs) you've got these college admissions people who whether they be coaches or in charge of admissions they're taking monetary installments from people with money and basically pulling strings to get these kids that are not academically qualified or qualified athletically either and they're getting them in through this side door to go to these prestigious colleges. You guys have seen that. I mean, the guy, the guy who even called it, he goes, you know, you have the front door, which is harder, mm-hmm. which most which people costs you <laughs> a lot, which costs you a lot. Then you have the back door, which means that you donate a significant amount mm-hmm. of money, which costs even into more. Millions. And he says, but I have a side door mm-hmm. and it's completely legit. Right. We never actually said it was legit. <laughs> he operated like it was legit. Like he had but a company. See, here's the thing. Back to the fishing industry, you have an organization. Let's just say that, you know, I live on an island and I want to go fishing to feed my village. All of a sudden I go fishing. I have a really great catch. I come back to the mainland. I get to sell it. I've made profits. Right. Now, what do I do? I need to hire people. I need to get a bigger boat. I need more equipment. Right. So I get out onto the ocean. I'm pissed if I have a bad day. Right. Fishing, right? right? So then I got to figure out why am I having a bad day? You know what? It's the dolphins. The dolphins are eating all my fish. So you know what? Tomorrow we're going to go out. We're going to slaughter all the dolphins. Because if they don't eat the fish, then we can 
fish for the fish and then now I can feed my village, right? Right. So I wouldn't say that it's always like an evil intent, but it winds up crossing this really great area. But that wasn't their their aim. that wasn't. But But I'm saying that's an example of how... Anything could go sideways, you know. Oh yeah, like think you, about you how could... many times like you've thought like I, we've done this at a restaurant, you know. Oh, there's a two and a half hour wait. I'm mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, what if I slid you a fifty? Like, could you make it happen quicker? <laughs> That's corruption, right? I'm corrupt. Well, no. Well, so you so like basically the coin phrase or the biblical phrase that the root of all evil is money or money is the root of all evil it may not be. Maybe it's too absolute. Maybe most things. <laughs> rooted in evil are based off of money, right? Because I think you think about everything you just said, I mean, and that's under the context of calling it evil. I don't think getting your, yeah, going no. using a side door Sliding to get your someone kids. someone a 50 is not no, evil. No, but I don't think getting your kids into school using a side door is evil per se. I think it's, it's highly entitled. It's, it's privileged. It's wrong and it's morally probably well, not the best thing Well, let's be real. If we had the money but, and our kids wanted to go to Harvard, we'd be like, okay, what do we have to do? And then you get introduced based on someone, your kid graduated We've got a kid. You get introduced, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he'll hook you up." Right, but oh, I think it, everybody it, it wants a hookup. Right, but it definitely ties to what we're going to talk about in this episode, which is the emotional attachment to status, right? Absolutely, and maintaining status within your family with with your kids, and I think that that will lead you to do things that are not the most ethical. That will lead you to do things that compromise you completely, and so I think that that's something to be said. When it comes to that scandal, but also for this this seaspiracy, there's an emotional attachment that we have with like having we got to have all the food, we got to have all the fish, we got to like, and, and we overdo it because of whether it be capitalism or whatever the case may be. I mean, they literally were cutting off fins of sharks as like a delicacy mm-hmm. that doesn't taste good, doesn't really have an enormous amount of Shark nutritional value. $100 a bowl. Yeah, just so that they can have this high-end, status-driven soup mm-hmm. that people want. I, guess I don't know if it makes them stupid, though. I think it makes humans stupid, like the consumers. Well, yeah, they're only responding you're just, to the You're the responding demand. to the great marketing. Right, right, absolutely. You know? But so, I think it's just damaging. And so if you get a chance to watch it, I think it's- Go watch Seaspiracy You have Netflix. to watch it. I think that we all have to take a, you know, be a part of helping our environment, helping get our governments to do something about what's going on. Because literally, if we continue down this path, I truly believe like we're going to be in serious trouble from our I mean, environment. Eddie was as, like, you, should we quit our jobs and just go clean up beaches clean up like for the rest of our lives? Day. Like, how can we help? And so this is our way of helping. We're spreading the word. And then if you guys have any uh, recommendations or suggestions on how we can get better involved, then please leave us a message, <laughs> send us a message, <laughs> leave a review, something. But something's got to be done. Would yeah, you agree? A hundred percent. Okay. I want to shout out really quick. We have a new review, Milk and Honey Cakery. Shout out to you. She says, I absolutely love listening to Janelle and Eddie. They remind me so much of my husband and I. You must be really funny people. Yep. She says, they crack me up every time I listen and they give me great business tips. I'm always keeping track of all the gold nuggets I find in their content. Thanks so much, Janelle and Eddie, for making the rest of us feel so normal. We are completely normal, and so are you. Sis. We are completely relatable. 
Are we? Oh, God. That's my what in the world, but we'll have to do that on a different episode. (laughs) Right? Yeah, we got to do that on a different episode. So today we're talking to you about four red flags. You're prone to unhealthy emotional attachment. So what do I mean by that? The reason why we're bringing this up is because we just kicked off our three-week back-to-basics business workshop If you are a business owner of any kind and you're looking to get back to basics, maybe the pandemic like hits you sideways and you're just kind of stuck in a rut or you need some new innovation, you need to be in a community of like-minded people, definitely click the link in the bio, go to JanelleCopeland.com, register for the back to basics business workshop. One of the concepts that we're teaching is that Your business is not your baby. Right. And I see so many people, particularly in the creative industry, where you're making something. And I get it. You're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into the stuff that you're creating. And then you're treating the business as though it's an infant that needs all of your attention, that needs you to cater to it and, you know, just like be there for it, be a mommy to it every two seconds. Yeah. And it's stifling. Yeah. And it's stifling. And and what it came down to, and when you really think about like treating your business like your baby, it goes beyond like being passionate about it. It goes beyond being super dedicated and having this amazing amount of determinism towards your business. What ends up happening is you get this emotional attachment to your business what it really creates a a tough environment to be a great business owner and a leader. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is this episode kind of relate that and and get the kind of the understanding, the underlining reason why we call it that is because it is an emotional attachment and emotional attachments can be very damaging, especially when they're unhealthy. So let's talk about like some people are like, well, I don't have a baby or I don't have a baby and I don't have a business. Right. right? So what are some things that people can be attached to? You could be attached to ideas or dreams. Right. Maybe you've wanted to be a rapper since you were 10 and you're still going. And and you're 55 years old (laughs) and you keep trying to get studio time. Right. (laughs) You could be attached to beliefs, whether limited or, you know, beliefs of superiority that would Mm -hmm. make you maybe a narcissist. Yeah. We saw that a lot in 2020 where people are attached to beliefs that are outdated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You could be attached to superstition, which Jordan right now in school is reading uh, The Joy Luck Club and we watched the movie. It's a 28-year-old movie. Highly recommend you watch that if you have daughters. Because these, I think it's a Chinese thing, but there are lots of native cultures that are just completely tied to superstition right? in like a toxic, unhealthy, emotional way. And it could destroy generations, right? And that's not even just for, you know, native and indigenous uh, people, but it's also like, you know, in America, in our, you know, contemporary lifestyle, we think that anytime you hear superstition, it's about you thinking that the out something on the outside world impacts you somehow. Mm-hmm. So luck, for example, mm-hmm. or you know, if I look at my sign, my uh, zodiac sign, it, whatever it tells me is going to mm-hmm. impact what actually is going to happen in my life. That is superstition. So yeah, um, that could be unhealthy. So that's a really big one. Unhealthy relationships. I mean, that's one you see most often. You know, you could be stuck in a toxic marriage or a toxic relationship for many, many reasons. So we're going to talk about that. Materialistic possessions. Yeah. That's a big one. That's huge. You got to have all the things. Mm -hmm. And when you have them, they have a hold on you. That's an emotional attachment for sure. You could be emotionally attached to the past, maybe some trauma that you have experienced in your past, right? right? 
You could be emotionally attached to your current circumstances. We did see this a lot in 2022. People are just like so upset that, you know, the pandemic is here and things are ruined and you're just so attached to it that you're unable to live like a healthy, balanced life and see your blessings and be grateful, right? You could also have unhealthy emotional attachments to habits that you have every day. Uh, and then you, we didn't mention this, but, the, you know, and I think we're going to talk about this in the first category, but the, you could be emotionally attached to the future, mm. right? And they could bring in an unhealthy amount of anxiety because right. you're constantly thinking about what could happen. <laughs> what, yep. what if this happens kind of thing? So I think we're talking about this because in the previous episode, we talked about spring cleaning of your mind, right? right. So a little reminder, you are officially in quarter two of 2021. Right. Like if you had a district manager that was coming to review your performance for the past three months, where do you rank on that scale? Right. You know, because I think that's important. We have actually an episode about adult report cards That rates you based on your health, your habits, your mindset, you know, your gratitude, your relationships, how organized your home or your car is, what your career aspirations are. So if you came out of the gates strong, maybe for New Year's and you were like, I've got all these vision boards and all of these goals. Well, guess what? This is Janelle and Eddie, your district managers (laughs) checking in with you. Pull out the report card. I want to see what you've done. What have you done to accomplish those dreams? What things do you need to maybe tweak a little bit so that way you have more traction going into Q2, right? Yeah. And you know, it's important that like what Janelle said is, is super, super important, like taking account to of where you're at. And if if we help you do that by sparking you to reflect, similar like someone that may be authority, like Janelle said, district manager, but of, of authority in your lifestyle gets you to spark. But the reality is, is that we're not trying to tell you that this is a superstitious thing. We can't change you. We can be the catalyst that you decide to say, hey, I want to change. Just like a district manager can't change your performance, but they could be the spark that gets you to go and reflect and say, okay, this is what I really need to do and adjust. Because many of you know that you have people in your life that you have only so much control, mm-hmm. right? And they have to decide themselves that they are going to make a change. They are, they have to decide themselves that they're going to release themselves and let go of some of the attachments that are in their lives. So we just want to be that spark for you. And so hopefully this this episode helps that. I mean, I like where you're going with this. And in Passion to Profit, our eight-week masterclass, uh, the very first session we have with people is like, if you're not ready to be coachable and learn and like really step into growth, then we're going to refund you. your money because <laughs> we don't want you here messing up like our success rate, right? Just like if I were a personal trainer and you asked me how to lose weight and I told you come in for a session if you don't show up for that session, I'm not even going to take you as a client right? because you're not ready. Like you're not willing to be committed. So it would just be ultimately a waste of my time to walk you through these steps, right? So mm-hmm. if you have hired a personal trainer and you know, you're trying to make up excuses to avoid them, just I'm going to tell you, they don't want you anyway. <laughs> so just stop going. <laughs> so that's a little tough love for you, but we all need somebody that can give you a perspective But ultimately, friends, it's going to come down to you deciding that you want to do something with this information and actually be in action, right? So let's talk about some of the unhealthy ways that you can identify if you are the type of person to hold on to emotional attachments. Yeah. And so the reason why we want to give you some perspective of like, what are the signs and also kind of what are the impact points in your life? And the reason why signs are important is because 
most things that we struggle with, we struggle unconsciously, right? And so that's why we, you know, we need to be shook. There needs to be some type of disruption to kind of wake us up mm-hmm. from the pattern or thought of thinking of, of behaving that we're going through. This is why you have people that are in your life and you go, they have no clue the damage they do, yeah. right? And so what we want to do is we're going to give you a couple of signs to help you know that you may be struggling with some emotional attachment. And here's the thing. We all have some type of emotional attachment to yeah. something, mm-hmm. right? And it's really about becoming aware of it and, and then obviously acting on that awareness. I'm trying to think, what is my emotional attachment? I will just say one thing you could be emotionally attached to that I see a lot of women being emotionally attached to are their children. Mm-hmm. Like we, I think, knew very early on, I knew as a mother, like it's my job to lay the foundation for them. But ultimately, I'm training them to be able to let them go. And we've talked about this in many episodes in the past. Like that's your role as a parent. It's not to like get them to the age where our kids are now, which is you should be going to college. I can't tell you how many moms I've talked to that are like, oh yeah, I would die if my kid went away to another state. No way. Like that's so unsafe. What would happen if something happened to them? I'm like, Oh, that's what you were doing for 18 years is like training them to be able to handle Mm -hmm. what happens when they leave your home. At least that's what I think we're supposed to do with the little humans that we create. Right. 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 I mean, I think that, you know, if if I were to say one thing that I'm emotionally attached to, obviously, there's an attachment I have to our children, our relationship, Mm -hmm. our life. Mm -hmm. I think that there is, you know, and the thing is, is we know that any attachment that you have will and can lead to sadness at some point. It will. Right? You buy a dog, you get attached to that dog. That dog is not going to live forever. And my mom is going through that right now. Like her dog is getting older. It's like 13 years old. She's very sad. And I'm like, I get it. But you have to know that any living thing is temporary. Right. It's the only promise that God has ever made to you, right? Right. So I think this is important on so many levels. We're going to experience loss. We're going to experience, hopefully not for a while, but pandemics and things that you feel set you back. And I think that times like this really reveal what you're emotionally attached to. Yeah, and at the end, we'll talk about how to overcome the, the attachments because we know that when we create attachments in our lives, it will at some point bring us joy. Mm-hmm. It will at some point bring us tremendous sadness, but we have to be able to move past the moments where we feel our deepest and darkest when we lose things. Right. right? And so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So here's sign number one that you're potentially experiencing unhealthy attachment. And that is you fall in love with what could be the yeah. possibility or the potential that something could have. Right. Right. So maybe you're falling in love with the potential to have a nice body. Maybe you're falling in love with the potential, like you're holding on to this business because it has the potential to do really well. Mm -hmm. Or you're in a toxic relationship because you've seen signs and you believe that deep down in there, he has the potential to do really well. So falling in love or staying committed to something just because of what it could be can be extremely unhealthy. Yeah, and you know this when you you're weathering the storm of keeping certain things in your life, whether it be a relationship or a business, or maybe that career that is causing you tremendous amount of pain, Mm -hmm. but you keep thinking, okay, well, it's going to change. It's going to be different. And I think that that's where people get stuck in life. Right. And so you think, you, you think about, okay, I, I'm keeping this in it wavers between like kind of that sunk cost bias, like, okay, well, I've had it for so long, so I might as well keep it. Mm-hmm. But you, when we talked about you being attached to 
ideas, you are attached to the idea that this can be something different when all facts and evidence show that it may not change. The person you're in a relationship may not change. The market that you're in for your business has passed you by, Mm -hmm. right? Blockbuster was attached to operating with stores, having DVDs, and the emotional attachment to what made them successful made them rigid to the ability to change and and pivot to what Netflix was doing. So I think that's so important as well. Right. And then sign number two, you follow emotion instead of logic. Right. So I find, I don't want to say this, but I find that (laughs) most (laughs) women I interact with, friends in particular, like they're leading with emotion versus logic. Mm -hmm. You know, that could be even like it could tie into like avoidance. Like I have a friend that's like emotionally told herself that there are no good men. Right. Right. Or emotionally, she's told herself that it's scary to go out with a stranger. And so I'd rather not. And I'm like, logically, there are less murders from these dating apps (laughs) than there are more success stories. Like, I can't tell you when I had the cake mamas, almost every couple that would come in and order a wedding cake and I would ask them, how did you guys meet? Oh, we met on Match.com. Oh, we met on such and such. I know more people who are successful who I've made wedding cakes for than I do stories of women who have been murdered or right. raped or something by someone they well, met that online. Well, just, just in that example, you see how dangerous it is to be led by your emotions because you you know your emotions can lie to you. Your, right. your emotions are not necessarily based on facts or reality. They're based on your interpretation right. of whatever it is. And that interpretation is skewed based on your past, based on, on tra- traumatic experiences, your beliefs, your beliefs those beliefs. And that, how you view the world. And, yeah. And so when you are led by your emotion, you're not allowing yourself to really find clarity. And what ends up happening is that it blinds you to your reality. Right. right. And so now you're operating. Well, you can't tell this, people that. No, you they can't. start re- rationalizing. Well, then they get emotional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, right. You, you, they get emotional because the emotions feel real. Right. Right. Our emotions that we feel are, they feel because they're palpable. You can right. feel them in your body. But they're not factual. Your feelings are not factual. That is their truth. Yeah. Your feelings feel, you know, you you can feel them. But I think a good question to ask is like, is this fact or feeling? Right. Because there's a big difference there. Right. And then sign number three, blinding of your reality. You're not seeing your current circumstances accurately. Yeah. Well, that's not signing. That's part of the impact mm-hmm. of what we were just talking about. But just to add to that, when you're blinded to your reality, what ends up happening is you start wasting time, you start wasting resources on like this emotion of like, okay, I think, I feel like, if you find yourself saying, I feel like I should be doing this. Right. Sometimes it's okay to, to dig into your intuition and and to really say, okay, I feel this way. And I'm going to move towards that. But you have to find ways to get clarity. Otherwise you're going to waste your time. And then there are times where you're in relationships that you're pouring into, but you're not getting any type of emotional return. Mm-hmm. You're not getting any type of emotional responses that help validate that just the right thing to do, you're just kind of continue to pour in thinking that it's going to change. So right. I think that that's, that's huge, especially if like you're in a, if you have a business, if your business is not giving you a return on investment, but you want to run the business a certain way and you don't want to change. Yeah. You're leading by emotion and not logic. Yeah. That could be detrimental to everything, right? your credit, your finances, your livelihood, everything. I'm going to put my glasses on because that's the problem. (laughs) This is sign number three. (laughs) Sign number three, you can't be happy without it. 
So it's kind of cliche, like you can't be happy with others until you're happy with yourself, but it's really true, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about like superstition, right? If I think that someone else, something else is going to make me happy, that's me basically hoping I get lucky, hoping that something that outside of myself brings me joy and happiness well, we know that happiness is an inside game, but people could be very much emotionally attached to, well, this thing brings me happiness. This relationship brings me happiness. So I have to always have it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much to unpack here because I know a lot of people that are feeling like there's something missing and there's this hole and there's this void. And so they think that they're going to find it externally right? right? in another relationship, which can start off really bad under right. bad circumstances, because then you become really highly dependent on that person to fulfill your happiness. Right. Mm. And so we talked about this in another episode where like Jada and Will were going through marriage problems. And he said, at one point, I was like, you know what? You go be happy. Go right. do whatever you're going to do, because I don't even think it's possible Right. You keep coming to me for happiness, blaming all of your unhappiness on me. But are you even possible? Is it even possible? Are you even capable of being happy on your own? Right. And she said that that hit her really hard because she realized she wasn't. And the void that she was trying to fill was from Will. Yeah. And that's hard because I think that some people listen to this are they're in relationship or they hope that they were in a relationship. Uh, are they grasping for a relationship that they feel like, hey, this is the, I need this relationship because it brings me happiness. I'm mm -hmm. the most happy with that relationship. And, but what people don't understand is that you've made a decision to be happy in that relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, you could also make a decision to be happy without that relationship. Yeah. And those kinds of relationships, they bring on so much additional like anxiety and stress because if you're getting with a person because they make you happy, the times that they're not with you, they're going to be tragic. And then if they have uh, like relationships outside of you, right. other friends, then immediately you'll start to be insecure. You'll start to like be unhappy because that thing that you needed to make you happy isn't there. Yeah. That could be through animals. That could be through <laughs> yeah. a job. That could be through a relationship. That is often through your children. Like how many women do we know that are like, you know, my whole life ended when my kids went away to school right. or, you know, now they don't need me anymore. So they're really just they're depressed and right. sad and just like they needed someone to need them. Right. That's a whole nother and, thing. But that's but, you know, and that's huge because if I were to replace they can't be happy without it. And if I said you can't be successful without it. And for those that are business owners, it goes back to thinking about. Like without you doing every single thing and having this control that your business can't be successful. Right. Or maybe it's in a, in a relationship. You want the person to be a certain way, to do a certain thing. You're trying to control things that you shouldn't be controlling, that you should leave up to them to live their life because they're a human being. And But what you end up doing is you get, you stifle the relationship. You stifle your, your business. You become a bottleneck of decisions in your business. And then you become a bottleneck of happiness or enjoyment in your relationship because you're trying to control everything. Yeah. And that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. It is for sure. So the next sign that you're in an unhealthy emotional attachment of some sort is you rationalize and suppress emotions. Mm. What do I mean by that? Yeah, I think that you... So one of the things about, I think, happiness in the first place 
is about being authentic to yourself, mm-hmm. right? And as close to who you believe to be that that you feel natural is important. But I think in relationships um, that we are attached to, we either reduce ourselves and suppress who we really are mm-hmm. so that we can keep the other person happy. We think that we have to be a certain way to keep them happy, or we start to rationalize unhappy place or a place that is dissatisfying mm-hmm. and, and trying to make it so that it works in our own mind. Right. <laughs> this so- reminds me of that movie. I can't remember. Julia Roberts was getting married like uh, there were all these a runaway bride. There you go. Oh, okay. I was like, she's running away, runaway bride. <laughs> so <laughs> she goes out with a guy at one point and they're sitting there for breakfast. And the waitress says, you know, how would you like your eggs? And he's like poached. And, he, and then she turns to Julia Roberts. How would you like your eggs? Poached would be fine. Mm. So she starts to take on all of the things that she thinks he would like. Right. So she's suppressing what she really wants to fit into this perfection you know, bucket list that she thinks that this guy wants. All that, bad. (laughs) Bad, bad, bad. Like, you've got to have the ability to not, you have to not suppress who you are showing up in a relationship, showing up in the world, showing up in your business, right? And I think you could go, if you went deeper in that, there's a feeling of not being worthy or an unworthiness that- It's an insecurity for sure. Like, you think that I'm not worthy to be myself with this person, so I have to put this, you know, persona out there so hopefully they fall in love with the persona and not the real person that I don't think is worthy to be in this relationship. So that means that you're insecure. That right. means that you're not feeling up to their level. Mm-hmm. There's a level of superiority that that person you think you're putting them on a pedestal of some sort. Right. And so in order to feel that imposter syndrome uh, subside, you have to kind of step into who you think they want you to be. Yeah. Toxic. Don't do that. (laughs) That's the sign right there. That's what we're trying to get you to understand. If you're doing that in any aspect of your life, that's unhealthy. But that's, but people don't realize that's the one thing that I think most humans do really well is see through that superficial fake persona that you put out there. And then they want to know, like we were watching the Joy Love Club, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the daughters was in this relationship and was married and had had a daughter and their relationship wasn't working out and she was doing everything to try to make her husband happy. Mm-hmm. She went to go ask him what he wanted to eat and she was like, whatever you want to eat. And he goes, no, I want to hear what you want to eat. Right. Right. And she goes, I just want to make you happy. I don't care. So he fell out of love with her, started cheating on her because there was no challenge there. There was no- Well, she no... didn't have a voice. Right. There was no authentic person. But he fell in love with her in college because she had a voice right. and opinion and because she was smart. So that's an example of how turning into that sort of person backfires on you. Like yeah. it, it really strained their marriage, right? But it also, when we talk about like an emotional attachment, you are so emotionally attached to this relationship, this marriage- that you don't want to jeopardize it. And you think that being your authentic self may cause too much friction in the relationship. So then you just start to comply. You just start to do everything you can to try to make that person happy by putting what you want aside. And then that person never gets to hear your voice again. Well, not only do they never get to hear your voice, but then you're constantly distracted by trying to always please them. So it's never authentic. 
Yeah. You're, and you're, then it's just yeah. so much work. It's exhausting, <laughs> right? So you're not going to be a likable person if you do that. It also creates a lot of confusion of like, right. you know, what your role is in this relationship, who you're supposed to be. Uh, you can't change because now you're kind of committed to this character, if you will. Right. 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 And then this practicing avoidance. Talk yeah. about that. I think practicing, you, you kind of mentioned this, like, you have a situation that now you're emotionally attached to the idea that there are no good people out there in the world, that there are no good jobs, there are not no good people to hire, there are no good. And so you get into this place where you you have this kind of sick perspective of reality, mm-hmm. and then you just pull back and you try you avoid anything and everything that gets into a place where you start to you know that idea is, is in jeopardy, right? Yeah. So time out. I want to ask you, the listener, the viewer, are you a person that practices avoidance often? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like when I use the word avoidance, I'm like, nah, I want to lean in. Right. I'm a lean in kind of person. Yeah, you are. I do that with difficult conversations. Yeah. I do that when it feels like something's off. Right. I'm not going to just be like, oh, I think my husband had a bad day today. Like, let me just avoid him. Let him process this. I'm like, bro, are you okay? (laughs) Like, can I do something to help you? Or like, I am very much like, let's dig in. Right. And so and that's good. That's because you said that, because I would say that I I can be emotionally attached to harmony Mm -hmm. because and so I will avoid the very thing right. that you want to lean into mm-hmm. because I'm like, that's going to jeopardize the harmony. And I love how this feels right now. Right. Right. And so you have to, like, like I said in the beginning, we all have some version of mm-hmm. emotional attachment. The key is this understanding that there, that it's an awareness there. And then also like, we'll talk a little bit about how you overcome it. But once you start being aware, then you got to say, okay, what would happen if I leaned into this conversation? What's right. the worst thing? Well, we'd probably solve an issue. Right. Because <laughs> right? avoidance never fixes no, anything. No, In my opinion, works. avoidance It breeds... actually magnifies it... what you're afraid of. Well, avoidance yeah. breeds repetition, mm-hmm. I believe. Right. So we have a problem. I'm going to avoid you. We're not going to talk for a week. <laughs> we'll get over it eventually. Guess what? That shit will happen again. That's why I... Well, this, the key thing I would say is that I don't understand like silent treatment, oh. right? And so... You know, people, I have a lot of friends that do that in their marriages. They're like, people, oh, we're not talking. We're this not week. talking. I'm like, well, how are you going to fix it? Right. How do you know what to it, do with your family like if you're not you're talking? Wait, it's literally like you're waiting to forget. Like, I want to know. Please write a review or send us a DM if you're in a marriage or relationship. There's no judgment. I just want to know how does it work? Because I have talked to many friends and they're like, oh, we're not talking this week. He pissed me off. What do you think that, what are you going to gain though? Cause like, I, maybe I talk a lot. I got a lot of shit to ask you. I need a lot of like, our, hey, what do you want to do? We're making plans on this. Should I take this? Should I do this? Like, right. I don't know. I just feel like if I didn't talk to you, life would stop for a week and we'd right. be so far behind. Right. It's I don't know. So it's perplexing. There's so to many me. things to get to. But you know, I like I said, we don't. We're, we're not doing judging the it. next episode on we, silent treatment. We don't not judging it. We just don't quite. I don't understand, understand it. I'm uh, genuinely asking, how does it work? But obviously, we we are different. We literally have a podcast talking about the things that yeah. are on our mind. So 
But yeah, the whole I, we're not talking thing. I yeah, I'm always perplexed by that. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know how you move on with life if you do that. Right. So so I want to talk about some things that you can do to overcome some of these attachments right. because we've talked about like you know what it can do and how to stay away from it and like you know living yourself, being yourself, being authentic, and not exercising avoidance, all that stuff. But what do you do if you're like, okay, I'm definitely attached to my kids. I definitely have wrapped my whole life into them. I definitely can resonate with being attached to my business. Shouldn't I? I mean, I built it from nothing. This is blood, sweat, and tears. Everything I have, I put into this, right? Right. Or my marriage, you know, I've been in this marriage for 20 years or this career for 20 years. I better get something out of it. I can fix it. I see glimmers of hope, right? So you're holding on to this thing. It's unhealthy. There's some attachment there. What can we do to kind of help them process through some of this? Yeah, I think the first thing is we you have to have an understanding that nothing, I mean, nothing lasts forever. Nothing. Right? Not and your love. Yeah, like the love it, of your life. I'm right. One of us will die. One of us will die. But also I think that I think we try to actively, and I think as we get older, we'll we'll continue to get better at this. We try to actively renew our love. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're constantly we're, we're human beings, we're constantly evolving. And so we have to renew the love we have for the like we talked about in another, another podcast, like review that contract. Hey, I'm evolving, mm-hmm. you're evolving. Mm-hmm. Okay, this still works. Let's, you know, let's let's fall into that. But just understanding that nothing lasts forever, even the greatest joy you have, there you also have to know that this joy will end. Right. This is not going to be like this forever joy because otherwise there would be no reason to call it joy. Well, here's what gets me. People start businesses, which I have started, right? Ran my business for 12 years, a whole decade in a brick and mortar. And guess what? I'm a new person today right. in 2021. So I made the decision to retire from that industry and start something totally different. I can't tell you how many people were like, that's so sad. Why would you do that? Oh, my God. And then on the flip side, I hear so many women tell me like in the baking industry in particular, I'm building this business so that way I have something to carry on and give Mm -hmm. to my kids. Your kids might not want that shit. You're already implementing an unhealthy attachment to this business and expecting your kids to have the same unhealthy attachment to the business. The business is because you want it now, right? Right. But you're not giving yourself permission to know that, hey, 10, 15 years from now, I may have a different passion that I want to pursue. So I would just say if you're getting into business or a relationship or anything, know that nothing's forever and give yourself the permission permission to be able to change and grow and evolve so that you're not negatively or unhealthily holding on to this attachment. Yeah. And hopefully during that process, you will have the ability and the control to for you to have to be able to end it when you want to end it. Right. I think a lot of times when you have an unhealthy attachment to relationships and and businesses and other things, it's ended abruptly, and that is what causes such an emotional response mm-hmm. because you didn't end it on your terms. It was ended for you. But you knew that eventually it would end. Right. You knew it was going to end. And so I think you always have to be in a position to say, I'm I'm willing to walk away from this. I'm not that attached to it. The idea is great. The work, the passion is all there. But I also can practice detachment as well as attachment as well. So. So the next thing, uh, next bit of advice is practice immense gratitude for the current moment. 
And here's an example of that. We just kind of came out of Easter, right? And I just told you for 12 years, the last 12 Easter's, I have been covered in frosting, worked until midnight, made millions of treats so that I can have a successful Easter sale, right? right. And, and serve my customers. This is the first year that I didn't have to do that. Guess right. what? I'm able to reflect and look back and say, God, that was so much fun without saying, oh, I'm so sad. I missed that. Right. Right. And I remember being in the moment at midnight at 2 a.m., not complaining, but being so thankful because I knew that that wasn't going to be forever. I wasn't right. going to do that all of the time. So it made me be really present for this is Easter weekend. This is the week that we go hard. You know, right. like I'm going to be working late, kids. I'm going to be here because this is fun. This is what I signed up to do, but it's not all the time. Right. So being able to practice gratitude for your current moment, knowing again, tying to number one, that nothing's forever. And I think that if you have, and I practice this mentally a lot, like if I'm going to step into something that's challenging, that's hard, that I don't like, I have gotten to a place where I'm like, okay, here's a good opportunity for me to challenge myself. And I take gratitude with that opportunity. I get to challenge myself with this particular activity. I get to do something I've never done before. Oh, here's a good opportunity that may not work out for me. I may fail at, but I, at least I get this opportunity to take advantage of it. That's where the gratitude I get into. So that kind of sets us up for the next thing, which is fear cast. So right. you said this thing might not work. Elaborate on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think when you think about your business relationships and you think about tough situations that you may, or circumstances, and you want to find a way to, how do I detach myself from it? Well, ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen mm -hmm. if I don't have this in my life anymore? And if that comes true and I don't have this thing in my life anymore, is what what can I do to fix it? Not that I get it back, but fix it to a place where I can get on a new path. What would that do? And if the worst thing does happen, is there a way for me to fix it long term so that I don't have to deal with the pain or I can get into something new, right? So if it's a business standpoint, mm -hmm. I'll ask you the question. If, you're, if the business doesn't work, what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, you file bankruptcy, you don't get to fulfill your lease, you run out of money, and you feel a little defeated for a while. Right. Guess what? Then you go back to work because <laughs> I'm sure you had a skill prior to starting a business, right? If not, you'll find one. Then you start to uh, realize, oh, wow, direct deposit feels real good. <laughs> you know, I wasn't I wasn't really paying myself in my business. So this feels really good. And slowly this momentum of confidence starts to build again. Right. What I'm trying to say is worst case scenario, the business doesn't work out. That's part of being a business owner is right. taking that risk and stepping into that. So there shouldn't be too much attachment or too much time to mourn the loss of something that doesn't work out because that's the beauty of starting a business. Once you know how to start a business, you start any other business in the future. Yeah. And I think the more and more, if, especially for business owners out there, the more and more you study, you know, great entrepreneurs, what you'll find is that they their success was on the heels of some type of bankruptcy before. And so the worst case scenario is, is this business fails, I bankrupt it, I start, start another business. Like I'm reading Reed Hastings' book, No Rules, the Netflix book, right? He had another software company that failed. Mm -hmm. Right on the heels of that, he started Netflix, right, yeah. right after that, right? And so 
that's why the emotional attachment thing is so important because if he was so emotionally attached to this other business failing, he never would have started another business because he was so he would be so depressed and sad right. that the other one failed. So yep. I think being able to move on is so important. Moving on. Thank you. Moving Number on. four, be an action to create something in your life that you can actually appreciate. Yeah, I love that. What, what, Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> I think that when we think about attachment, we think about things that keep us stuck. It's simply because we've stopped moving in, in areas of our, our lives that we know that we will appreciate. So whether it's finding a hobby, finding something that brings you some type of fulfillment and going and building something like that. If it's quitting your job and cleaning up beaches because of the fact that you were impacted by seaspiracy mm -hmm. and you will know that you will appreciate the work that you're doing, you'll feel proud of yourself. I think that that is the right thing to do when you've lost something that you probably were emotionally attached to. Yeah. So I'll just tell you, I did an interview today with Natasha from Baker Squad, and she was asking me about like how the cake mama started and all that stuff. And I told her that I had lost my, you know, corporate job and that I needed to do something to not sit there and be depressed. Right. So I needed to just put one foot in front of the next and just be in action. So I can just tell you, like, we're practicing what we're preaching. But when you're in action, even through the pain, that's when I believe God or the universe, whatever you believe in, shows up and opens that next door of opportunity for you. 100%. So I can't co-sign enough on this one. Uh, number five, meditation. Yeah, I think that when, anytime you practice meditation, emptying your mind, and you know, I think that a lot of this conversation comes from or speared by like the Buddhist principles around attachment, like. The, the root of sorrow and sadness is attachment and meditation is a way to let go, right? It's mm -hmm. a way to empty your mind, get to a place of peace so that you can find clarity. Because at the heart of this conversation, it's about being confused. It's about being clouded. It's about your judgment being you know, tampered with because of the fact that you're so emotionally charged by something you're trying to keep that getting to a place of practicing to let go, yeah. right? Let Letting go of your thinking, focusing only on your breathing, I think is a great way to build the muscle to overcome the the emotional attachments that, that you can have every single day. And meditation is really the only way to like, if your brain is full, like a cup right. of water, you need to empty it out in order to just silence everything and kind 100%. of like get regrounded. And then the last tip that we have for you is just let go of expectations. There's a really great book called The Expectation Hangover. And I really like after reading that book, I already didn't have tons of expectations, but like people that say like the world's so bad, I don't really have expectations of people. So I find myself pleasantly surprised by people all the time. <laughs> right. Like we watched that conspiracy. I was like, I was shocked. I was yeah. like, I was pleasantly surprised that that was a great movie. I don't have any expectations. Right. And so just ask yourself, like how many times, how often are you saying like, oh, that was so disappointing. Well, that kind of is a you problem because right. that means you went into it with maybe some unrealistic expectations, right? So yeah. I think anything in life, especially with a relationship, you go into a marriage, let's just say, with expectations. Those expectations should be laid out. Those should be discussed. But then you have to work together to understand that like this is going to be a collaboration. Yeah. So I can't expect him to do what we discussed exactly how I want him to do. I just have to expect that he committed to doing it so pleasantly surprised me, right? Yeah, I think that I think that the, the relationship expectations 
kind of lay the foundation of respect. They lay the foundation of boundaries. They lay the foundation of like coexisting in a relationship. And so having those things are so, so important, but also letting go of the things that you don't discuss Mm -hmm. that, you know, that really brings, you know, a lot of frustration and stress to the relationship. But I think letting go of expectations is is also letting go of how you thought something was going to be. Yeah. Right. And so we said- Your life after 30. Yeah. I was supposed to be here and I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be there. And like, who who said that you were supposed to be there? Right. Because you know- and we'll talk about this in another episode. You know that that's based off a of comparison, mm-hmm. right? When you when you say that your life's supposed to be somewhere else, I get that if you set that as a goal for yourself. But the reality is, is the only way you're going to get to that goal is you got to let go of the fact that you're not there yet. Yep. Right. So, so let go of your expectations. There's a lot to kind of unpack here, but I hope that you got some nuggets that will help you maybe recognize some emotional attachments you have that might be a little unhealthy. And just for the sake of tying a bow around the fact that you have children for a very short period of time, it's your job to equip them and prepare them to interact with the world, right? And to tie the bow on it, our middle daughter is going to be going away to college soon. She has three options. She's going to either Chicago, uh, D.C., or the U.K., We want her to go to whatever school she wants to. The UK is very far, obviously, (laughs) right? But what an amazing experience that she'll be able to have learning a different culture, being around different people. We do not want our kids to grow up in our neighborhood where we raise them their whole lives because there's such a huge world out there. So think about your expectations. Think about the things you're attached to and just ask yourself if it's serving you. Maybe it has served you for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, but is it serving who you want to become now in this stage of your life? Yeah. And the last thing I'll leave you with is because that reminds me of the Jane Fonda story, she did an interview with Oprah Mm -hmm. where she was talking about your life as you get older, you realize it basically is divided into three trimesters. Mm -hmm. So you have zero to 30 where you think you really got it going on and you're living your life, right? Then you have 30 to 60. And then your last trimester, if you're lucky, is 60 to 90 or plus, right? So she says that Zero through 30, you know, she was doing all this fitness stuff, acting, doing a great job in her career. And then 30 through 60, she was married, having children. And then she realized when she was going to go into the third trimester that the marriage to, I think its name is Ted, um, I can't remember, Ted something, Ted Turner. Ted Turner, TNT guy. She loved him. But it wasn't, he was no longer able to kind of serve who she wanted to be in her third trimester. Mm -hmm. So as best friends, they decided to end their marriage, continue their friendship, continue to love their kids. And she's now living her life like with a bang because she has changed her expectations. She's changed where she wanted to go with her life. And I just thought that was beautiful. So I hope that that helps serve you. If this episode was good for you, if you got anything, please take 30 seconds to rate and review it. Leave a comment, DM us, let us know what your thoughts were. Yep. I thought it was good. And go watch Seaspiracy (laughs) and uh, don't go fishing, I guess. (laughs) No. You can fish, but I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but you'll watch watch it and let us know. And let us know. So uh, that's all we got for you. Push through. See you later. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. 
hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.